This is the Worth Recovery Podcast, featuring women in addiction. Welcome back to Worth Recovery, a podcast featuring women and sex addiction. I'm Amy. I'm a recovering sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. This week will be three and a half years of sobriety for me, which is totally awesome. So I'm super excited about that. Super excited about what that means for my own recovery. We've had a lot going on recently with Worth Recovery, and there have been a lot of new opportunities for you to be a bigger part of this movement. I wanted to take an opportunity to remind you of some of these opportunities and also make one more new announcement. I'm sure that you're just dying to know what's going on, right? Okay, so first, let me remind you of the reason that I'm doing this. Worth Recovery is about dispelling shame and building hope in the lives of women recovering from personal sex addiction. I know how hard that is because I am an addict. I know how shameful it is to feel like you're abnormal, broken, unique, and different because you struggle with what has traditionally been known and called a man's disease or problem. I've been the lone woman at recovery meetings for years. And in all those years that I've been working recovery, I've been told a lot of things. I've been told that women don't belong at meetings. I've been told women can't have this addiction. I've been told women don't recover from this addiction. I've been told that women don't need sex as much as men. I've been told women should give men what they want in terms of sex, that that's our purpose. I've been told that women are responsible for men's sex addiction because of the way they dress, talk, or act. I've been told that men can't help themselves, but that women can and should. I've been told that women ask for sex abuse because of what they wear, what they say, and the way that they behave. I've been told that all women sex addicts are just prostitutes and deserve what they get. Well, I started Worth Recovery because none of that is true. Not one single word. None of it. And because it is time that someone stood up and said that none of that is true. None of it. Not one single word. The women that I know in recovery are amazing. Totally, totally amazing. Their backgrounds and circumstances are all incredibly unique. Their addictions that they have and the way that they manifest are equally unique. But they are some of the most tender, sensitive, compassionate people I know. They have made amazing contributions to this world in so many different ways. They are resilient and they are fighters. They are agents of change and agents of hope. They are my heroes in so many ways and I feel privileged to be a part of such a community of supportive women. They are real and authentic. And most of all, they are engaged in the struggle. They're engaged in the struggle of life, of trying to change, of trying to be better, of trying to have a hope and be happy. They are engaged and are beautiful, brilliant, amazing women. I wanted to find a way to show the world who these women are. I wanted to show that they are not the dark, trashy, seedy women that the media portrays, but that they are women of hope, of courage, and of resilience. 
One of the ways that you can show your support of these amazing women in recovery is to become a worth warrior. As a woman in sex addiction, there are many, many, many things eating at our own personal feelings of value and of worth all of the time. And actually, even women not in sex addiction have things eating at their feelings of value and of worth all of the time. One of the things I've heard over and over again is how alone women feel. I know that that is how I felt for sure. One of the many reasons I offer this podcast free is so that when a woman looks for resources, when she searches for information on sex addiction and women, there is a resource for her to find. I want to keep this podcast free so that any woman all over the world who searches and looks for resources will find another woman ready to share about their lives. You can help me by becoming a worth warrior. Warriors are patrons of Worth Recovery who contribute a small amount of money each month in exchange for additional benefits and rewards. You can become a Worth Warrior for as little as $4 a month. That's less than 50 cents an episode. If this podcast is helping you in your recovery in any way at all, at least 50 cents worth, help me continue to provide this resource free for all the women out there. I'd like to also give a big shout out to our first Worth Warrior, Camille. Camille writes, love your guts, Amy. I truly believe you are a miracle in my life. Camille, you are a miracle in my life, and I'm honored to be able to work with you and see your recovery. You are totally amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. You can become a Worth Warrior if you get on the website and look for the button that says become a Worth Warrior. As this community has continued to grow, I've learned how much I want to also help women in addiction. I've been battling this addiction for five years. I'm not perfect at it, but I've developed a program that works for me and that keeps me sober. I've learned from the women I've met, the therapy I've been involved in, and the different recovery programs I've attended. I've developed ideas, tools, rituals, and routines that help me to stay sober, that keep me in a good headspace, that provide plans for what to do when I need help and what to do when I'm struggling. See, all of my professional training and education has been in what's called instructional coaching and strategic planning and implementation. Big words, I know. For over 15 years, what that means in essence is that I've worked with public school teachers and university faculty members who want to improve their instruction and teaching. I help them by identifying the gaps in their knowledge, their abilities, and their skill set. Then we write a plan together that helps them to make the changes that they want to make. We identify resources, find the right training, and work together to build the success they want for their career. I then coach them through that process and through that plan, helping them to implement the new ideas and the new training that they've learned. In the last eight years, I've worked not only with individuals, but with school departments, districts, small companies, and whole organizations. I've loved it and enjoy working with people to help them achieve the success they want in their lives. As I began my recovery journey, I noticed that the skills I had developed professionally helped me big time in recovery. They helped me battle addiction. When I applied the skills and knowledge I had worked to learn for my professional career towards my own recovery, things changed and happened quickly. Habits changed, sobriety stuck, and what made me good at my job also made me really good at recovery. As I began the Worth Recovery podcast, women were asking me questions and wanted to know how I did things. Out of that need, Worth Recovery coaching was born. 
There are both group coaching classes and individual coaching available to help you on your recovery journey. I'm not a therapist, nor am I your sponsor. I'm here to help you identify the gaps in your knowledge, abilities, and skill set. Then together we make a plan to help you find the resources and learn the skills you need to get your feet on solid ground, to stabilize your sobriety, and to get you moving forward. One of those resources would probably be a therapist or a sponsor within your own program. We do a lot of work around rituals, routines, planning, mindset, and worthiness. Coaching isn't meant to be a permanent thing in your life or even a really long-term thing. We work together until you have the resources, the skill set, and the connection for you to work your own recovery program. In addition to the podcast, The Worth Warriors, or the recovery coaching that I'm offering, I'm excited to announce another resource we are adding to the Worth Recovery lineup, and that is Worth Recovery Events. One of my original goals with Worth Recovery is to provide a rally point, a gathering place where women in sex addiction could connect, find support, learn about others, and gain the resources they need for true, lasting recovery. To help accomplish that goal, Worth Recovery is going to start sponsoring in-person live events. Are you so excited? I'm so excited. Our first two events are going to be held in Seattle, Washington and Salt Lake City, Utah. We will have an awesome lineup of therapists who will share with us some great information about addiction, recovery, boundaries, trauma, relationships, and more. All those hot topics that you keep asking me about. In addition, you will get a chance to ask these therapists your questions about recovery from sex addiction. Each event will also feature one of you amazing women from that area. We want to hear your story of recovery and rally around you and support you. We want to hear of your struggles and success and build hope for our own journeys. Plus, as if three hours of therapy and healing and hope from a woman's story wasn't enough, you'll have the opportunity to meet other women in your local area with whom you can network and build connections and support. You will have the opportunity to see that you truly are not alone in this. I am so excited for these events. I wish I had all the dates and lineups exactly done, but they're still in the progress and they are almost finalized though. By next episode, they will be finalized. We will have information to you as soon as possible, but I want you to get excited and I couldn't hold it back. You can get on the website right now and see all the great news as it happens. Seattle and Salt Lake City, this is where we're going to start, but I hope to go as many places as we have listeners. California, you're probably going to be next. You have an amazing, large, large group of women in California who listen to this podcast. If you have an idea of where I should plan to visit in California, let me know. I grew up there. It's a big state. I don't know exactly where you are in the state, but let me know where you are, California listeners, because I want to come out and host one of these events for you. More information can be found about all of these things, the podcast, the Worth Warriors, recovery coaching, and the live events on the website, worthrecovery.com. Or you can email me directly at amy at worthrecovery.com. You can also connect with me on Facebook, Pinterest, or Twitter just by searching at Worth Recovery. Do it. Reach out. Get the support you need to move your life forward. You are worth recovery. I'm so excited about all of these different things that we're offering and the places that we're all going to go together. How was that for a really long intro, right? (laughs) Okay, today is episode 33. 
And our title today is Bring Yourself Along. Early on in my recovery, I was struggling to build some solid sobriety. As I was reflecting on my struggle one night, I was reading an older journal from the period of time when I first started a lot of my serious acting out behaviors. This was also the time when I graduated from college. I was 25 when I graduated, and I was the only woman in the math department to graduate that year. Being over 25 makes you what they call a non-traditional university student. You're too old, basically. I had been awarded the non-traditional Outstanding Student Award for the College of Science. Not really sure how much of an honor that really was, but nonetheless, it was a great award, and they asked me to speak at graduation. It was a little intimidating, to say the least, but I was assured that no one really remembers graduation speeches from students, so not to worry too much about what to say. Do you? Do you remember your graduation speech from high school or from college? Because I don't, not really at all. Except, of course, the one that I gave. I remembered what I said. A few years earlier, I had listened to a very wise man speak at a conference. He was discussing how difficult it can be not to compromise on personal ethics and values in the workplace. He started going on and on about how the world will try to change you and mold you into what they want and need you to be. He said he knew many people who tried to shape themselves the way the company that they worked for wanted them to be, and that these people many times woke up one day, looked themselves in the mirror, and asked, who am I? He then said something that I've never forgotten. When it is time to make your way in the world, to go out and find your career, your family, your life, it is essential that you take yourself with you. You are unique. You have a personality with quirks and things that make you who you are. When you go out into the world, be sure to take yourself along. We all kind of laughed. Of course we would take ourselves with us. That is what we do when we venture out into the world, right? But he was really serious and he went on. Your life might not turn out the way you planned, he said. You're going to land a job, maybe your dream job. And one day things are going to get sticky and you're going to have to make a choice that will determine who you are. It might be small, so small that you think it's not important, but it is. Or maybe you're in a relationship and something happens and makes you upset and you react poorly. If you don't nip that in the bud, it could spiral into something that you have no control over. He laughed a little bit, but he was serious. You don't want to wake up one day and realize that you don't know who you are anymore. When it comes time to go out into the world, take yourself with you. That talk had a profound effect on me. I was already struggling at that time in my life to like who I was. Well, I felt like I liked who I was, but I felt like who I was wasn't likable or acceptable by the world. Since I was struggling with relationships in general, I felt like the world was saying, Amy, who you are isn't who the world wants or needs you to be. I spoke about that at graduation. I spoke about the need to honor who we are when it is time to go out and make our mark on the world. I'm sure no one who was there remembers what I said. I'm sure they were just waiting for my seven minutes to be over so they could all throw their hats in the air and be done. And that's okay. But those words have continued to have a profound, almost haunting effect on my life. Fast forward five years. It was a summer holiday, though I don't remember exactly which one, but we didn't have to teach that day. I got home really late that night. Well, really, I should say I got home really early the next morning. I drove home really fast. I had spent the entire day 
acting out with different men, leaving one situation to go to another. I had crossed lines, lines I told myself I would never cross. It had been risky. I was really scared at one point in time during the day. I was driving home as fast as I could so that it would just be over. I just wanted it all to be over. I felt worthless, cheap, and used. I got home and tried to sleep it off. After a few hours of restlessness, I got up. I walked into the bathroom and actually looked myself in the eyes in the mirror. And I found myself saying out loud to myself, who are you? And then I started to cry. Who was this woman staring at me? I looked for a long time. She looked old, even though she was only 30. Where was the bright-eyed, curious little girl of my youth? She looked lost. Her eyes were dark. Where was the spiritual woman of faith I had once been? She looked sad. Where was the smile and joy I had once known? Where was the laughter and fun of days before? I didn't even feel like I recognized myself in the mirror. The pain was too much. It was just too all-encompassing. I couldn't even continue to look in the mirror. For days, I cried, who am I? I wish I could say that was my bottom. I wish I could say that that pain drove me to find help, but it didn't. It drove me further into my addiction, seeking more and more risky behavior to make the pain stop. I just wanted it to stop. I wanted all of it to stop, but it didn't. More and more acting out for more and more relief, which was only very temporary, which led to more and more acting out to find more and more relief. A vicious cycle that I could not control and couldn't stop. At that time in my life, I didn't have the knowledge to make a better choice. I didn't have the understanding to see what was happening and make different choices. Choices to stop, choices to get help, choices to recover. I slipped further and further away. Fast forward another five years. I sat in my therapist's office bawling my eyes out. I did that quite frequently. We used to kind of joke about it, actually. One time, I didn't cry until like the last five minutes of my appointment. And when the tear fell down my face, he said, Oh man, Amy, I thought you were going to make it this time. It was, it was a long-standing joke that we had. Okay, back to the topic. I sat there in my therapist's office bawling my eyes out. I don't know who I am, I said. I'm afraid to make decisions, to pick out clothes, or even to talk to people. I don't know what I like, what I don't like. I don't trust myself to even know. Everything I thought I knew turned out to be wrong, and everything I thought was good turned out to be bad. How in the world am I going to figure this out? And I'm 35, I'm sure I yelled at him. I should have my life together by now, and I know nothing. Nothing. (laughs) He was always really good at just letting me cry. We talked for a few more minutes. I left with the assignment of starting to figure out who I am, writing at least 10 things I knew about myself before the next appointment, and not 10 easy things like I couldn't list that I was six feet tall. It had to be about who I was as a person. (laughs) Not a very fun assignment at that time in my life. I got to work that morning after our appointment and pulled out my morning snack, raspberry Nutrigrain bar. I opened it and took a bite. I chewed it in my mouth. Wait, I thought. Do I like Nutrigrain bars? I chewed a little bit more. No, no, I don't like Nutrigrain bars. I don't like the texture or the gross fake raspberry flavor. 
At least it was gross to me. But I had been eating a Nutrigrain bar every day of my life for over 10 years. And I'm not joking. Some diet I started somewhere along the way put a Nutrigrain bar on my plan and told me how good they were for me. And so I ate them. I bought a box every week and I ate one nearly religiously at 10.30 a.m. for 10 years. 10 years, I tell you. And you know what? I don't like them. I don't like them at all. I didn't like them one bit. <laughs> I threw it away. I gave the box to a coworker. I knew I didn't like Nutrigrain bars. That was a start. It went on my list. I cried as I wrote it. I had been doing something for 10 years that I didn't even like. Something as simple as eating a Nutrigrain bar. How was I going to come up with nine more things for my list? The process was painful. Did I like things because I really liked them or because I thought I should like them? Did I dislike things for the same reason? Was I interpreting things that other people said and did correctly? What was my opinion about politics, religion, education, the state of the world, addiction, women, relationships? Was I the type of person who recycled? And if so, what exactly was that type of person? It was bad, ladies. I remember having a meltdown in Staples one day because I couldn't decide what type of pen to buy. Did I really like gel ink pens or was ballpoint the way to go and I just didn't even know it? <laughs> P.S. I do know now. Gel ink. I'm all about gel ink. It was tempting to think about starting over all the way over and make up a whole new person. A person society would love and accept and want who did I want to be? I could be anyone since I was going to start over. I could change everything about myself. I could have surgery. I could change my hair, my body, my life. I could be a whole new person. And that would be totally great because I could finally find the acceptance that I thought that I needed from society. But my wise therapist suggested that might not be the best option. <laughs> he was always encouraging me to remember who I was, to take inventory of my assets, the skills I had, and to not throw everything out because one aspect of my life wasn't working. One aspect of my life? My whole life wasn't working. Not just one aspect. Everything about me wasn't working. At least that's how I felt. I heard a therapist once say, the one thing I wasn't prepared for when I started working with addicts was the identity crisis that happens in recovery. That is my story. I got into recovery and had an identity crisis. Who am I? All those years ago when I heard and spoke about taking yourself with you, I had failed at that. I hadn't taken myself with me. I had compromised and crossed boundaries all along the way. Somewhere along the road of life, I had left myself on the side. I had shaped and molded my life to be everything that everyone around me needed. And in trying to save everyone else and make them happy, I gave up what made me happy. I gave up who I am. I gave up what I liked about myself. I let others convince me that what I liked about myself wasn't enough. I went out into the world and I left myself behind. This last weekend... I had the opportunity to share my first step story with a group of women. I've done this multiple times and each time I feel like I learn a little bit more about my own story. I make a few more connections about who I am and I heal just a little bit more. 
What struck me most this time around was the inevitability of it all. The inevitability of addiction in my life. I hate saying that I didn't have a choice because I believe in choice. I hate it when people say things like, everything happens for a reason. You've heard me discuss my own struggles with the idea that there are forces at work in our lives that we do not have control over. But as I shared my story this weekend, I started to see the evidence mounting that addiction was an inevitable piece in my life. With my limited knowledge, skills, resources, and abilities, my behavior followed a natural course that in a way the circumstances of my life were set up for addiction. I'm not trying to abdicate my responsibility here. I'm not trying to say that I shouldn't be accountable for the things I did and the pain that I caused. But what I am saying is that true choice requires knowledge, skills, and resources. You can't make a choice if those things are lacking in your life. And those things were lacking in my life. My behavior, given my circumstances, made sense. For the first time in reading my story over the weekend, my behavior made sense. And in that moment, a rather large piece of my heart healed. I found part of myself. See, I like myself. I like who I am. I like that I have curly hair that's kind of crazy on some days. I love being tall. I like that orange is my favorite color and that I wear it all of the time. I love that I am a mathematician and I see the world in equations and geometry. I love that I love music. I love my sense of style and my choice in movies. I love that I love people and love to be around and help them. I love that I love science fiction and fantasy novels. I love that I'm really good at computers and can pick up anything really fast. I love that I love water and could spend every day at the beach or somehow on the water. I love that I am fiercely loyal and love my family. I love that I'm an excellent teacher and am able to explain complicated things in simple ways to people. None of these things changed in addiction or recovery. None of them. These were things that I always liked about myself. They are things that have always been a part of me. But when one aspect of my life wasn't working, because addiction is just one aspect of my life, I set all these things on the side of the road. I let them go. I forgot about them. I forgot to take myself with me into my life. So what does all this mean, Amy? Is that what you're asking yourself? Well, well, let me tell you, I had interpreted my experiences in life to mean that I was the problem and that who I was on the inside was broken. I had looked at that lack of knowledge, resources, and skills as my fault, as a problem with me, with who I was, with what I looked like, with my very nature and essence. I felt like addiction came into my life because there was something fundamentally wrong with who I was. And so along the way, I quit being that person. I gave up the things that made me, me. I thought if I just changed what it meant to be me, then my life would change. The more I ran away from myself though, the further and further I slipped into addiction. What has brought me the most joy in recovery, what has made recovery stick the most in my life, has been returning to who I am and loving and accepting me. It's not always easy, and there are still things along the way that give me trouble. There are things about myself that I don't like and I want to change, but none of that can happen until I accept who I am. 
And ladies, the same works for you. My therapist has in her office a wall hanging that says, do you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Do you remember? Take some time today and really think about the things that make you, you. Don't throw who you are away because one aspect of your life isn't working. You are unique for a reason. You are original. You are amazing for that. Take stock of who you are and your assets and strengths. You're going to need all of those in recovery. Are you patient? Wow, good for you. You're going to need that. Are you a survivor? Good for you. You're going to need that too. Are you kind? The world always needs more kindness. Do you love Nutrigrain bars? Awesome, because someone needs to keep that company in business because I'm not doing it anymore. <laughs> Are there some things that you don't like? Awesome, me too. And that is why I continue to work a recovery program. That is why I continue to work the steps. But it doesn't mean that I don't love myself now. And after this weekend, after acknowledging and seeing the inevitability of addiction in my life, I am giving myself permission to love myself a little bit more. I'm giving myself permission to realize my value and to honor my strengths. I'm giving myself permission to say that my actions and behavior make sense based on my life circumstances. And because they make sense, because addiction was an inevitable piece in my life, there is nothing fundamentally wrong with me. And ladies, I give you that permission as well. Maybe you find yourself saying, I don't know who I am, or I have to invent a whole new life now that I'm not living in fantasy. Maybe you find that you feel fundamentally broken in the very core. Maybe you're still punishing yourself for the choices you feel you made in your addiction. I challenge you today to challenge that thinking. And I promise you that you are okay. Who you are right now, right now, is beautiful and enough. Get online. Tell me one of your strengths. Tell me what piece of yourself you're going to go back out and pick up off the side of the road and take with you down this journey of recovery. I want to hear about it. Join us online, worthrecovery.com, or search for us on Facebook or Twitter at Worth Recovery. I want to hear from you. I want to hear what makes you, you. As always, ladies, I hope you remember that no matter what is going on in your life, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter how you feel in this very moment, you are worth recovery. 100% worth it. I know that. Keep up the fight. I think about you. I pray for you. I love you. Until next time, Amy. stuff. The mission of Worth Recovery is to dispel shame and build hope in the lives of women struggling with and recovering from sex addiction. I am not associated with any 12-step group, religious organization, or therapeutic clinic. I am an addict sharing my own experiences and recovery.